Okay, welcome to Check the Tape. My name is Arya Atari, recording this Wednesday, July 10th. NBA free agency is pretty much over for the most part. All the big names have signed. There's some things that might take place, but nothing too big that uh, that's going to really shift the power of the NBA at this point. So I got a lot to cover, got a lot to talk about, um, and I'm just going to dive right into it. Free agency. I don't want to waste any time, and let's get into it. That's what we're going to talk about, NBA free agency. So, yeah. All right. Let's start with Kawhi and the Clippers and Paul George and that whole ordeal. So I guess I should start off by saying what actually occurred. So the Clippers signed Kawhi to a two-year deal. Everyone thought it was going to be the three-year deal plus one, and now it's a two-year deal plus one, um, lining him up at the same contract length as Paul George. They'll both become free agents together in 2021. Just want to give a little bit of background. So let's backtrack. Okay. So that whole week, every big free agent decision for the most part was really decided at the end of June 30th, July 1st, whatever you want to call it, except for Kawhi. He dragged it out for the whole week. Now there were other moves, but that was like the only real big one, like I said, that can shift the power of the NBA that was left. So Kawhi, you know, all week, we really don't get that much information in terms of reporting about what's going on everybody has different things they believe all the pundits are coming out saying things some are saying oh he's definitely going to the lakers definitely re-signing with toronto didn't hear a lot of the clippers buzz but late late friday night or i guess it would have been saturday morning at that point if you're on the east coast i was asleep when it happened and Kawhi leonard had signed with the Los Angeles Clippers. It came out. Great. And then literally right after that, it seemed like Paul George gets traded to the Clippers. The LA gives up to OKC five first rounders. Three of them are their own. One of them is that Miami pick they got in the Tobias Harris trade from Philadelphia. That's unprotected. So four of them are unprotected. And one of them, I believe, is the Miami pick that's protected. And then they got two pick swaps, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Danilo Gallinari in return for Paul George. That's the biggest haul ever received for an all-star, a superstar in NBA history. I mean, it just beat out the previous biggest haul for a star ever in NBA history from like a couple weeks ago in Anthony Davis uh, when the Lakers gave up a bunch to New Orleans to get him. Anyways... So they gave up a lot of assets to get Paul George, and I've seen people say, oh, that's a lot for Paul George. I mean, Paul George isn't even a better player than Anthony Davis. True, he isn't. He's not on Anthony Davis's level, but you have to look at it from this perspective. You're getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So in that case, I mean, it's like you're getting two – because by getting Paul George, Kawhi signed with the Clippers. That's kind of how it went down. It's a lot of assets to give up for two guys, so you only have two years guaranteed of them. Um, but you got to take that chance in this league. I mean, this league is ran by stars. You can't win a title without stars. Everyone knows it. Everybody wants to get stars. They're hard to get. And when you have that opportunity, you can't turn it down. So the decision that Kawhi actually made to go to the Clippers, because not a lot of people saw this coming. And I think our biggest, I guess, hint that this was coming was when 
we heard that report before free agency started, like Kawhi was discussing with Kevin Durant the possibility of teaming up. That makes you think Kawhi, that should have made us think, Kawhi doesn't want to go somewhere alone and be the lone guy. And when you look at it from that perspective, it was like, okay, you go to the Lakers, you have Anthony Davis and LeBron there, you wouldn't be the own guy, your own guy there, you wouldn't be uh, all alone uh, in terms of like stars helping you out, but you might be overshadowed by those two, honestly, especially LeBron. I mean, no matter what, he's going to overshadow anybody. You look at the Raptors, it's like, yeah, you could stick there, be your own guy, you just won the title, but that team, I mean, is going to get old fast with Lowry, Gasol, Ibaka. I mean, all three of those guys are free agents next year anyway, so then you're stuck with just Siakam. So he looked at it from this perspective, it was, I believe he looked at it from this perspective, it was just like, I want to go to LA, it was uh, dead set on this LA thing, it seems like, from the entire time, but he didn't want to go there alone, and then he told the Clippers, look, you got to get Paul George, that's the guy I want to play with, get him to OKC. And OKC, I mean, they got a haul for him, like I said earlier. And now for them, it doesn't really make much sense to have Russell Westbrook. And everybody's already got the Russell Westbrook trades going. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but I want to stay on this Kawhi thing. Um, so now he was able to like be a master tactician and go to Los Angeles, where he's from, where he wanted to play this whole time, it seems like. And go there with the player that he wanted to be with. Really, really uh, masterful, honestly, by Kawhi. And there was those talks that Toronto was trying to get Paul George and maybe Russell Westbrook and have those guys there, and then maybe Kawhi would re-sign with Toronto. Who knows how much of that was just OKC using Toronto for leverage in trade talks against uh, with the Clippers. Who knows? The point is Kawhi was able to get the player he wanted to play with in the city he wanted to play with and be the best player on the team and be the face of the franchise, be the number one guy, because I don't know if he would have been that number one guy on LeBron's team. Okay. So now that this has all happened, you look at this Clippers team and I think they deserve to be the favorites to win the title. I mean, they are the favorites to win the title, but it makes sense. You have those two guys um, as good as any other duo in the league. LeBron and AD is the only one that kind of compares with it and I guess Kyrie and Durant does too and we'll get to that in a little bit as well but that one doesn't really matter for this season at least because Durant's going to be out with that Achilles injury we believe so they have those two and then the rest of the roster I mean Lou Williams can come in and give you offense Patrick Beverly defense you know uh just a tough player and that's going to be a really like that perimeter is going to be so good defensively I don't even think that that's the right way to word it they're going to be good uh defensively on the perimeter, I think is the better way of saying it, with Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi. You have Landry Shamit, who I saw that it's like he might be the next Ray Allen. I'm not, real, I'm not really willing to go that far, but I do like Landry Shamit, and I uh, hated it for the Sixers that they uh, got rid of him pretty pretty quick And when they did that Tobias Harris trade. Um, you have Harrell, who plays very well with Lou Williams. Zubac, who the Lakers, everybody knows they pretty much just gave him to the Clippers. So they have a really good team. I, I think they have a more complete roster and the pieces. I like where they all – I think it's a more like modern roster too because like the Lakers have all these like bigs on their team and I'm not really sure how it fits out and I don't think the Lakers have enough guards that are good. So I really like this for the Clippers. Um, it's just going to be funny if this bites them back and like – two years when they gave up all their futures just for a two-year run 
at least the Lakers, I mean, you feel like Anthony Davis is going to sign that five-year contract next summer. But staying on that, so we talked. I just talked about those two teams and how they're probably, and they are, the top two favorites to win the title. But if you're looking at the West and you're trying to fill out eight playoff teams, you know, you have those two. You have Denver, who everybody, I think Denver is probably the favorite to be the one seed. You have Utah, who got a lot better. I will say with Utah, though, yes, they got better. They added Conley and can move Donovan Mitchell off the ball. Uh, you got Bogdanovich, and you start him with Ingles and Gobert, and you got the makings of a really good team there. But the one thing I haven't seen people saying on Utah, and I can't believe I'm doing a whole Utah thing right now in the middle of the Kawhi stuff, but for that team to become a serious threat to win the title, the thing that needs to happen is Donovan Mitchell has to become like a top seven or eight player in the league. Is he going to do that in his third season? I wouldn't count on it. I'm, I think he's good, but he hasn't even made an All-NBA team yet. And we think he's just going to be a top seven or eight guy. I mean, we've seen it. You need one of those. We always talk every year about, is James Harden good enough to be the best player on a team that wins the title? We're not even sure about that. And we're going to think Donovan Mitchell is going to be at that level in his third season. So let's pump the brakes on the Utah title stuff. Everyone loves everyone loves saying Utah's a sleepy contender. Everyone loves saying you, sleepy contender, a sleeper contender. Um, everyone loves hyping up Utah, and I'm like, pump the brakes a little bit. Okay, but staying on that. So we have those four teams, the Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets, Jazz, Portland, Lillard, McCollum. I like that nucleus. Nurkic is coming back. I don't really like Whiteside for them, though, but forget that. They still have those two guards, who I like. Um... Houston, who's going to be bringing back that same starting five, and as long as you have James Harden with good pieces around him, you're going to be a threat. The Warriors, who Steph Curry is still like a top, especially with Durant out this year, I think Steph Curry's a top three player in the league. Hard for me seeing him miss the playoffs, and I'll get to the D'Angelo Russell stuff later, and hopefully Clay comes back at some point for them. That'll give him a boost. Draymond's still there. He's got a motor. He's not just going to you know, let this season be a year, a transition year, and not even try, I don't believe, so that, and then you're already at uh, seven teams at that point, and then who's going to get that eighth spot, Sacramento, as their young guys, Darren Fox, Bagley, Buddy Heald get better, is it going to be Dallas, who now is a healthy Porzingis, and you pair that with Doncic with another year, New Orleans, who has all these star, like, young, good players, Zion, the future face of this league, Jackson Hayes, who has been a summer league uh, summer league MVP, Ingram and Lonzo, who maybe they were just not ready for L.A. or there's a lot of pressure on them last year or whatever. You add J.J. Redick, who's a really good shooter, a good piece to go along there, and Derek Favors, who a lot of people like Derek Favors. I'm not too crazy on Derek Favors. He never did anything in Utah that, like, wowed me. But you got the point is you have all these teams in the West, and it's like we already have seven locked in, and – all these other teams are going to be fighting for that eighth spot. It's funny. Um, but the Clippers are at the top of it all. And sticking with the Kawhi thing. So, you know, the Lakers, they risked it all on him. They found all this way. They got Anthony Davis to waive the trade kicker. They traded all these other guys to the Wizards like Mo Wagner. And I can't remember their other names um, to get this max level cap space for Kawhi. And then he's just uh, so, yeah, they do that to get the max level cap space for Kawhi. And he takes a while to decide. And granted, he's one of the top two or three players in the league, maybe top one, honestly. Um, so you have to wait. And 
he decides to go to the Clippers. And while he does that, all these other players, all these other free agents you could have signed to fill out your roster, they've already signed with other teams. Like Beverly has also signed with the Clippers. Seth Curry, he signed with the Mavericks. Um, and it's just all these players are going off the board. And D'Angelo Russell, maybe you could have signed him for a max contract. All these players are going off the board, and you're all in on this Kawhi thing, and you stuck with it, and he goes to the Clippers. And how did you fill out your roster then? You go for Danny Green for $15 million. Seems like a lot. DeMarcus Cousins, who, I don't know, did he have two good quarters the entire 2019 NBA Finals out of six games? So six times four, 24. Two, good, two out of 24 good quarters. I think I'm being a little generous. He had that one good quarter in the second quarter of game two, I believe it was. And then all these other guys who you had last year who didn't really do anything that wowed you, like Pope and McGee and Rondo. So really seems like outside of LeBron and Davis, I mean, and those two are really good, but like this team outside of those two, I'm not crazy about. And then on the other side of it, Toronto, you have, you know, you're just waiting it out for Kawhi and you want to run it back and he didn't come and Okay, yeah, he didn't come. You're in a rebuild now. You probably should like start thinking about moving guys like Gasol, Ibaka, Lowry, and seeing what you can get in return, and maybe getting assets, and just be in that asset collection phase of uh, the rebuild right now. Self Siakam, who's a nice piece, but for them, like it's you know the whole point of the Kawhi trade was to win the championship. They won it. If he had re-signed, it would have just been icing on the cake. He didn't. Oh well. You accomplished your mission. You have nothing to be angry about, nothing to be mad about. That trade is a success. Might be one of the best trades in NBA history because it won them the title. So, yeah. Those two are in, you know, they were the losers of Kawhi, obviously choosing with the Clippers. But I'd, I'd say it's much worse for the Lakers than it is the Raptors, which is funny considering the Raptors is the team that he actually left. Um, let's talk about the other team that's a part of this whole Clippers thing, which is OKC, who traded Paul George, and they got all those assets in return. And for me, OKC, it's like, yes, this was the right move to make because you had reached your ceiling with this uh, Westbrook, Paul George combo. It seemed like, what you, I mean, you've had Westbrook as on his own without Durant for the last three seasons. Now, granted, Paul George wasn't there for that 2017 season where Westbrook won the MVP, but every single one of those seasons has ended with the first round exit. And if you're getting that much in return for Paul George, who's not at the level that these guys like Kawhi, Anthony Davis, LeBron, Giannis, Harden, if you're getting that much in return for him and you're not even winning that many games as a franchise already, yeah, this is a no-brainer. You trade Paul George. So now you have Westbrook left, and I'd move on from him too because, you know, number one, Gilgis Alexander. Some people think, I mean, he, he definitely has a chance of becoming an all-star type player. I like him. Um, so you want to move Westbrook because you don't want to stunt uh, Gilgis Alexander. Now you have all these young players. You're in the rebuild. Having Westbrook doesn't match with your timetable anymore. So what teams would you trade Westbrook to? Miami's the one everyone's bringing up right away, right? You have Jimmy Butler there already, and I'll get to that. Um, an all-star. Pat Riley wants to win. But what is Miami going to give you in return? Are they going to give you Bam Adebayo, Justice Winslow? I mean, you're not going to be getting that much in return. It's because 
Westbrook isn't at the level Paul George is anymore. Nobody really wants Westbrook, especially on that contract, his age, injury history, um, just the way he plays and his, uh, you know, he goes out of the playoffs early. I don't think Westbrook's value is really high right now, but Miami might be a team that likes him. Detroit might be another team that likes him because, you know, they're already all in with this Blake Griffin thing. They're paying Andre Drummond a lot of money too. So they might just go all in. Um, Houston doesn't make any sense. I've seen that being floated around. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, unless you were going to move Chris Paul for Westbrook, which what's the point of doing that if you're OKC and if you're Houston, a Chris Paul Westbrook Harden fit doesn't make any sense at all. So if you like gave up Capella and Gordon, I guess, to get Westbrook. And then Minnesota is another team I've seen people talking about, but they don't have the cap space and OKC's not going to want to take Andrew Wiggins back. I mean, let's be real. They couldn't even move Andrew Wiggins to try and clear up cap space to get uh, D'Angelo Russell because it seemed like Minnesota wanted him for a little bit. So OKC, I don't know what's the team for Westbrook. I like Miami or Detroit as one of the teams. And it's also funny because, you know, they have Miami's picks from that trade with the Clippers. And if you trade Westbrook to Miami, you might be in turn making them a better team, which in turn would uh, make your draft pick worse. So that's interesting. And then the final takeaway I want to take away, I guess, from the Paul George thing is that, you know, he wanted to go to LA this whole time, we believe, from when he uh, declared his trade from Indiana, and then he ends up in OKC, stays there for the year, he likes playing there, likes Westbrook, whatever, resigns, has the thing at Westbrook's house, the party, whatever, saying we have unfinished business, resigns, four-year deal, uh, the fourth year is a player option, great. But then he wants to go to LA once this trade opportunity comes up, and it seems like he wanted to go there the whole time. Um, my theory on this, and you know, Kawhi last year wanted to go to LA. And seemed like it was the Lakers, but the Clippers were also uh, very prominent um, in the rumors. And they both had, they both were traded in back-to-back years. Paul George gets traded to the Thunder. Kawhi gets traded to the Raptors. Both of these trades worked out for the team that acquired them. Because if you're the Thunder, you get Paul George and you convinced him to re-sign. Then you flip them for all these picks a year after that. And then in Kawhi's case, when you're Toronto, you won the title. But... With Paul George, it was like, so you wanted to go to L.A. this entire time? Why did you re-sign in OKC? The Clippers weren't really an option for him to go to in 20... What was it? 2018? Now, the, the cap space, um, it was a year ago. I'm having a hard time remembering. But he would have gone there without anybody else, which is kind of like what Kawhi did this... Uh, which Kawhi apparently didn't want to do this year. And that's why he wanted the Clippers to get Paul George. But both of these guys had an opportunity to join LeBron with the Lakers and didn't. And I don't know what that says. Maybe they just didn't because they kind of played the same position as LeBron and they didn't want to join the Lakers with him there and being the overshadowing guy, whatever. Anthony Davis seemed like he was cool with that. Um, I guess not everybody wants to play with LeBron, but Anthony Davis really did, apparently. I mean, he ended up there, had got the same agent as LeBron. Um, it's hard to say otherwise with Anthony Davis. So I don't know what to make of it. 
I don't know if they wanted to play with LeBron or not, but if I had to guess, I don't think they did. Okay, moving on. And with, well, actually, before I move on real quick, it's just with LeBron, it's, you know, they do well, he gets all the glory. They don't, you get a lot of the blame. Um, kind of a no-win situation. But, you know, that's how it goes sometimes, I guess, right? Anyways, moving on, uh, let's do the Nets. They got their big three, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan. I'm kidding on the DeAndre part. It's kind of funny how everybody acted like he was still relevant. You know, this guy was a first-team All-NBA center. That's actually hilarious to me that that happened. Um, like, at least now we have good centers in the league. And, like, Towns, Jokic, and Bede are going to – or Anthony Davis, if he plays center, will occupy first-team center for an extended period of time. We had a real rough stretch there where, like, Gasol was a first-team center. Noah was first-team, but Noah was actually really good that year. Gasol's good, but, like, Marc Gasol? You don't think of a first-team All-NBA player when you think of Marc Gasol. I don't. Okay, spent – a little bit too much time there. Um, so my thing with the whole Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving going to Brooklyn is just why Brooklyn? And everybody talk. And this is kind of a point everyone's made with the Clippers is they have a very stable front office. Um, you know, Sean Marks is there just like the Clippers have Jerry West and Lawrence Frank and Clippers have a good coach in Doc Rivers and the Nets have Sean Marks. Kenny Atkinson's a good coach. They didn't have their first round pick for three years, but they were able to make smart moves and get someone like D'Angelo Russell and get talent and like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, Jared Allen, and really uh, put this whole team together and really, you know, show that they're a stable franchise as opposed to the Knicks, which have just been a laughing stock for the last couple of years and James Dolan, the owner that nobody wants to play for. And I'm not going to do a whole James Dolan thing. Everybody knows uh, about James Dolan by now. So no point in me just, yeah, joining in on that. Okay. But that's all cool and all. Yeah. Like, yeah, they have the cool front office or whatever, but the move to New York, especially for Durant, I thought it was about legacy. Like it would have been, it would have been legacy. Like if you go to the Knicks, you bring a friend, you bring a championship to the Knicks. You say, yeah, I'm the best player in the world. I've been this the whole time. You guys didn't believe me in Golden State. You said my titles didn't mean anything. Well, jokes on you because they do. Okay, but by going to the Nets, it's like. It's not as big as an achievement if you bring the title there. And going East was smart because I talked about how loaded the West was. Uh, the East has good teams at the top, but I think like one through eight, the East isn't that strong. Okay. But, you know, it seemed like it was going to be a legacy move. And that was the whole thing with the Knicks. Now, did Kevin Durant's injury change something? Is that what this is? Because that's what I'm I, – I think I want to lean towards that – he, Kevin Durant was going to go to the Knicks, and Kyrie Irving was going to come with him. And then when the injury happened, I well, I actually don't know if I'm leaning towards this. I've just heard this, and I don't know if I agree with it, and I'm going to just say it. But once Durant got hurt, it seemed like he didn't have the power anymore, and Kyrie was the one who was like, nope, actually, we're not going to go to the Knicks. We're going to go to the Nets. And Durant was like, well, I don't want to go to the Knicks alone, so I'm going to go to the Nets. Why would Kyrie choose the Nets over the Knicks? I mean, people have said, oh, well, the Knicks would miss the playoffs with him that year. He's, he doesn't want to give up a year. I mean, what, you think the Nets are going to be any good this year? You think the Nets are going to be contending for uh, a championship? Maybe at best case scenario for the Nets, they get bounced out of the second round, okay? But 
sticking it, keeping on with Durant, and even if he, so he, if he followed Kyrie, isn't that just like against what he did with Golden State? You know, people got on him there for, oh, you just joined the 73-win team. Now, I know, okay, I know it's not the same as just joining Kyrie, or uh, as going with Kyrie to join this team. It's not on that same scale, but it's like, you were supposed to, like, leave your legacy, say that it was you're the guy, you're the man, you're the best player in the world, and you just follow Kyrie Irving to Brooklyn? To freaking Brooklyn? Like, ah. And, you know, people have also been saying stuff like, oh, well, with the Nets, you have all these other business opportunities. The owner, whoever the owner is going to be in a couple years, I don't know when that he gets, like, the full percentage, but the Ali, the CEO of Alibaba or, you know, Jay-Z and Rock Nation, and you get those guys involved, and uh, you have all these business opportunities and your whatever endorsements and stuff. Like, okay, but... For me, I thought the move was about basketball. I I have this weird like thing in me where I think that basketball should be kind of like the way we look at basketball players. <laughs> I mean, the way I mean it is like, you know, they're basketball players. Shouldn't we be prioritizing basketball? I mean, I don't want to say I don't want to be the guy who's here and like saying how people should prioritize their lives and that sort of thing because who am I to say, right? But I don't know, just as a basketball fan, the Nets just seemed so, it, it, it didn't seem exciting, it didn't seem cool, it didn't seem like a big move at all, like it didn't seem that interesting, like when LeBron went to the Lakers, it was like, okay, yeah, I mean, this is the best player in the world and the league's most famous franchise, Kevin Durant going to the Knicks would have been a lot of sense, it was like, this is the guy who no one's given credit for, uh, for these titles that he won in Golden State when he won two finals MVPs. Probably would have won a third if he didn't get injured. And now he's going to prove everybody wrong and do the what right now might be the toughest thing in the NBA. Or the, whatever, like the most biggest drought. Not the biggest drought, but like the team with the most fans or whatever that has been starving for a title. It was the Red Sox for a while. Then it was the Cubs and now it really seems like it's the Knicks, and he was going to be able to deliver them a title and validate everything he did in Golden State all at the same time. And now with the Nets, he's just kind of followed Kyrie there, and I don't know. I guess Kyrie got the say once the injury happened, but why did Kyrie want to go to the Nets? Why would he? Like, they, they, they're talking about these smart franchises and all that, and that's great, whatever, but, like, if you want to make the legacy play, you go to the Knicks. I, I don't get it. And now the Knicks are, I mean, if Kyrie's already calling the shots and telling Durant where they're going because he got injured, I mean, this is, this duo is doomed from the start, right? Um, so the Knicks, like after they strike out on these guys, I mean, they just do dumb things and sign Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, Marcus Morris might come there now. Um, Wayne Ellington, all these guys, it's like, the Knicks are nothing but, but what's the word? They're nothing but entertaining? I don't know what that expression is. Um, it's just they signed all these guys, and their cap space is tied up for the next two years, Like, and they're hoping on 2021. LeBron's a free agent, Paul George, Giannis, Kawhi. Um, 
Bradley Beal. Like, when is this thing going to stop with the Knicks? When are they just going to realize that they're never getting anybody? They're never getting anybody. And I don't know why. Maybe Dolan's just that bad and no one wants to be playing for him. Maybe DeAndre Jordan was the undercover spy and he told Durant, like, no, we don't want to be with Dolan. We don't like him. Um, trust me, I don't like this guy. You wouldn't like him. We don't like him. Let's let's go to Brooklyn. Let's, you can still stay in New York. Your business ventures are here. Kyrie wants to go to Brooklyn. Let's just do that. I don't know. I don't know. But the Knicks are just always going to mess everything up. It seems like they're cursed. It seems like nothing's going to go their way. Um, I don't want to do too much on the Knicks because there's not really much to do. And then all these things came out afterwards. Oh, they didn't even want to rant. Oh, they canceled the meeting with Kawhi because they uh, wanted to um, get, didn't want to miss out on these other free agents. I mean, after everything we've kind of heard on Kawhi and how he values like the organizational structure and whatnot, uh, what makes you think Kawhi would even want to go to the Knicks? Anyways, um, yeah, but now, I just want to do a little thing on Durant's time in Golden State. It seemed like after the whole season long, especially starting with that thing with Draymond at that Clippers game where he apparently said, we don't need you, we won without you, you can leave. It seemed like he had one foot out the door the entire season after that. And then playoff start, he's the best player in the league. He's playing better than Kawhi was. Um, and then he gets injured in Game 5 of that Houston series, has the calf injury, and is out until Game 5 of the NBA Finals against the Raptors. He comes back, hurts the Achilles, and it seems like he and he's done. He is out for the remainder of the Finals, going to be out for the rest of next season. Um, and But it created this weird circumstance where all these Warriors player, all the Warriors players kind of gathered around him. Curry had a very emotional thing uh, in that post-game interview after they did win Game 5. Klay Thompson was, uh, you know, talked very highly of Durant. I think he said something like, this one was for Kevin. Um, and it seemed like, you know, all this talk about how he wanted to go to the Knicks was number one, how he wanted to validate these titles and everything because he was never really considered part of the Warriors. And then he was never given the credit, never considered part of the team because these guys had already won without him. And then the way they kind of embraced him or welcomed him or not welcomed him but uh just spoke of him after that injury like that they really uh appreciated him as part of the family whenever he'd come back but he didn't and there's this talk about how you know he curry flew back from china to new york um to meet with him and he already had made up his mind before curry could even speak with him or before bob myers could speak with him and it seemed like he just never really felt a part of it, um, there was some glimmer of hope there with the injury. Like, okay, maybe they did lose him for this year, but he's actually going to be back here long term, and him, Steph, and Clay are going to be a core uh, for years to come. But that didn't happen. I guess the stuff with Draymond was real. I guess he really wanted just to get out of there and play with his friends is one of the things that. People have been saying, like, Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan, obviously, his friends. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with this whole Warriors thing, that he just never fit in, really. And for me, the biggest thing with the Warriors isn't that he didn't fit in or he didn't like these guys. It's just he never got the credit. He never got the recognition that he believed he deserved. That's my opinion on it. And to be honest, he probably did deserve the recognition. And I guess, and I think he's going to get a lot of that recognition 
uh, retroactively now that you saw that without him in the finals, um, you know, the team wasn't able to succeed as well. But there might be another way of looking at if you really want to go in depth. It's like, oh, well, they didn't need him. It's Clay that got hurt that stopped them from winning the finals. They would have been three-time champs if it wasn't for Clay's injury. I don't know. You can look at it that way. But they did go down 3-1 before Clay got hurt. That Granted, Clay did miss Game 3, but they did lose Games 1 and Game 4. Clay played in those. Um, I guess the Raptors only beat them twice uh, when Clay was there. But I don't know. The point is, like, Durant was a big piece. He was the Finals MVP. And... He never really got that much respect, it seemed like. So now he's in Brooklyn, and he's going to be out this year, and Kyrie's going to be with the young guys, and that's just going to go swimmingly well. Uh, I can't wait to see how that how that shakes out. Not like Kyrie has any uh, prior experience of playing with the young players and being a mentor to them. Um, sorry, I'm still a little upset about how my uh, 2019 Celtics season went. Um but with Durant, the one point that I don't think people are saying enough, and this is the last thing on that, and we'll move on, and we're going to go kind of quick on these next ones, um, is how no one's really came back from this injury 100%. And I don't think Durant's going to come back from this injury 100% and be the same player he was prior to it. And that's going to affect the Nets' chances of winning titles. That's going to affect their window. And I don't think he's going to be able to ever return to form as, you know, I said he was the best player in the league during the playoffs. So it's a shame what happened. And it's also a shame, like, if that didn't happen, would he have been on the Knicks? And I think that would have been much better for the league, A, and B, for him if he had won a title there and for his legacy. And I guess we won't get to see that. Kind of a bummer. Um, And I'm saying that as a Boston sports fan. So, okay, we're going to go quick. So with these next guys, kind of the all-star or all-star caliber, maybe they make it every year, maybe they make it every other year, whatever. These these players that I'm about to go to. D'Angelo Russell, going to start off with him. So he actually goes to the Warriors in a sign-in trade that involved KD. Um, immediately, everybody was saying, oh, well, the Warriors just got him to trade him. He doesn't fit in with Clay. He doesn't fit in with Draymond or with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. I mean, who's going to play the three? And I agree with a lot of that. I mean, Curry and D'Angelo would get torched defensively. Um, I don't think he's all that good, by the way. He's not good at getting to the free throw line. It's kind of like, you know those those players, those guards who are good at getting to the rim, drawing contact, but they can't make the mid-range jump shot or they're not good shooters? D'Angelo Russell's kind of the opposite of one of those guys. Um, and he didn't even make the all-star team last year if it wasn't for the Oladipo injury and he was the replacement. So you weren't even one of the actual 12 guys to make it on the East team, which is weak. Um, how good really are you is the point I'm trying to make. So, But I think he was a good get for them, getting an asset in return for losing Durant. I mean, obviously he doesn't replace Durant, no player does, but you got something. And that was good for the Warriors as opposed to losing Durant for nothing. And now he can kind of be this stopgap until Klay Thompson comes back. Or it seems like Klay Thompson's on a, eminently going to return. Maybe like Klay's a month out. And then you can just move Russell, get a piece that more fits, and might be a worse player, but a better fit. And then Klay comes back, and you're ready to make another run. Um, I don't think... Like, a lot of people think this Warriors team is just going to sit idly by and let the this season just be a transition year. And then starting in 2021, they will be in title contention mode again. 
I don't see it with Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Draymond, the championship pedigree that they have. I can't see it being that way. Yeah. Actually, they only have like four players on that team who have won a title with them. It's Curry, Draymond, Clay, obviously, and Kevon Looney, who they signed to that good contract. He wasn't there for that first title, but the last two, because now that they cut Livingston, traded Iguodala. Good move for Memphis getting Iguodala, by the way. You're getting that first round. You get a first round pick, and you can flip Iguodala possibly in another trade and get something for him. Um, that's pretty good. Uh, and then signing Clay to that contract, I think I said this in my last podcast, I'd be a little worried about just because of the ACL injury. I, mean, I know guys come back from the ACL. Uh, Zach Levine did it recently. Just still kind of worries me. Um, but D'Angelo Russell is kind of like a good stopgap for them and can help them win games and uh, be ready for when Clay Thompson comes back and then they can move him if they need to. What I don't get is why he would agree to that if he had the idea that he could just get traded down the line. Maybe it was like, oh, well, I'll take this max money. Maybe he should have waited out the Lakers thing. Who knows? Um, I really I really don't get that part, but okay, whatever. So Kemba, the Celtics got Kemba, and they kind of, I think I talked how they had him on the podcast. It seemed like it was a done deal on the podcast. I did the free agency preview. Um, I mean, Kemba is – the hope with Kemba is he's going to be what Kyrie was for the Celtics, but – better from a teammate perspective, locker room perspective, just gets along with everyone better. He's not as talented as Kyrie is, but, you know, he is a very good player, talented player, was all NBA third team, and with his, you know, being a good teammate and everything, he could be better than Kyrie was for the Celtics. And the one point that I have not seen that many people make is Brad Stevens is known for making guards better. Terry Rozier, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Brad Wanamaker. No, I mean... Um, but Kyrie seemed like he had a resistance with Brad Stevens and you saw those stories that came out, whether they're true or not, I don't know. Um, but it seemed like there wasn't like the, they didn't get along that well or they didn't, uh, go hand in hand or whatever. It wasn't like they were, um, a good fit, but you know, maybe, uh, Kemba and Stevens can reach, a level that'll make Kemba even better than he was in Charlotte. I mean, who was the best coach he had in Charlotte? Steve Clifford? Didn't he have Larry Brown there? No, I think Larry Brown was gone by the time Kemba got there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Stevens and Kemba, I mean, Stevens is known for elevating guards to higher levels than they were before they were on Brad Stevens' coach teams. Except for Kyrie, who kind of stayed the same, and maybe he was really efficient this year, but Stevens and Kyrie... We're not a good fit. Didn't seem like it. And the results definitely didn't show, and all the stories afterwards don't prove that. The other thing for the Celtics is, you know, they lost Horford, and that's a huge loss defensively, how he spaces the floor, his passing ability. Huge, 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 huge loss. But, you know, and I'll talk about him when I get to Philly. Some of that money on the end of that deal is just absurd. Um, The main thing for the Celtics is... Like, people are saying, oh, well, Kemba can't be the best player on a team to win the title. Yeah, I agree with that. But he's a good player. And number one, you just need Brown and Tatum to get to, like, all-star levels. Like, they, the Celtics are going to go as far as Brown and Tatum go. We know who Kemba is by now. We know who Hayward was, at least. Maybe whether he gets back or not to that level, that remains to be seen. But what we don't know is what's the potential for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. 
They took a step back this last year, obviously. Didn't go to the levels that people expected or wanted them to. Are they going to? I don't know. What I do know is that that's going to be the ceiling of the Celtics era, or whatever word you want to use. Um, and yeah, Kemba could be a good piece to that, but ultimately it's going to be on Tatum and Brown. Okay, so I talked about how I was going to get to Philly, and to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of these Philly moves. I don't know if they got worse or better. I think they just kind of stayed the same, and now they'll be different. I mean, their shooting got worse, obviously, without JJ there. I don't like that they lost Jimmy Butler. I kind of would have preferred having Jimmy Butler to Tobias Harris. It's a lot of money for Tobias Harris, who's not even an all-star player. I know he might be a better shooter than Butler, but Butler was just, you know, I think it was Brett Brown saying during the playoffs, he's the adult in the room. He can get us a bucket uh, when we need to. He can get them, yeah, he can get them a bucket when they need him to. Because Simmons can't do that. Simmons can't just put the ball on the floor and get to the rim and score or pull up. or He's not that like talented of an offensive player from a scoring perspective. He's just not. And he needs to get to that level. Having a honest shot would help. But he's not going to get to that level with the shooting. I mean, maybe one day he'll be able to like shoot and have an honest shot. But he's never going to be like a knockdown shooter. You might just have to say, oh, Simmons, like, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys his entire career, like, you're just going to sag off of him the entirety of his career, because he's just not a good shooter, and he's, right now he's a non-shooter, so, like, guys who aren't good shooters could become decent to good shooters, for someone like him who's a non-shooter, it's like, are you even going to be able to, like, have guys cover you? I mean, this is, like, worse than Rondo ever was. They don't really have that, like, guy who they can just count on to go score for them without Butler. And now they have Horford, who gives them this flexibility. You know, I talked about him, how he, all the things he does defensively, uh, can shoot the three. He's probably their best three-point shooter, which is funny to say. Um, you know, he's a great passer. They no longer have to worry about going up against him in the playoffs because he was in beats kryptonite for... The matchups they've had with this, the matchup they had with the Celtics, and then regular seasons uh, games after that. Um, the last two years of that contract are tough. So it's like a four-year, 109 deal, I believe. Um, the last two years are going to be tough, and he's definitely going to opt into that fourth year. I mean, a lot of us thought he was going to opt into the fourth year of his deal with the Celtics, and he opted out because he knew he could get a bunch of money for over more years, and that made sense. Uh, at the end of this deal. I don't see him getting that kind of money, so he's probably going to opt in. Um, yeah, I mean, they need Embiid to get in shape, and they need Simmons to be able to be a more dependable scorer, and I don't know if Simmons is going to be able to be a dependable scorer without a jump shot. I don't know. I actually don't think I like this team as much. I do like Horford a lot. I really do like Al Horford, and maybe it's because I – watched him every day with the Celtics and I have a better feel for him as opposed to somebody else, but he's really good. Offensively, defensively, smart player, makes everyone around him better. Maybe he makes Simmons better. Maybe he makes Embiid better. I, I think he will. Um, great teammate. I, I like Al Horford for them. I just, I don't like Tobias for that much. And I think Simmons needs to get better as a scorer for Philly too. 
really get to the level they need to. I mean, Simmons can't have, like, games in the playoffs where he doesn't score 10 points. That can't happen anymore. Or, like, barely get to 12 or whatever it is. I mean, for like, this guy, the way we've hyped him and talked about him and say he's a franchise player, he needs to start averaging, like, 20 points a game at least. I think that's um, a reasonable expectation to have for him. So we'll see if he gets there. Um, so let's talk about the Heat. Uh, they got Jimmy Butler, kind of like the last all-star-ish. He, I mean, he's an all-star. He didn't make it last year, but all-star caliber player to change teams. So he goes to Miami. And it's funny because when he gave that interview with Rachel Nichols at the start of last season, when he, you know, after that whole Minnesota thing with the practice and he was with the third stringers and beat Towns and Wiggins, whatever that story was, I don't even know. Uh, I don't think anyone really knows it exactly, but he made this thing about how, like, he was about winning, and it seemed like he was all about winning, and now he's just going to go to Miami? How is Miami um, going to help you with your goal about being all about winning? Like, if you were all about winning, you would have gone to Houston, or you would have tried to have gone to Houston. They couldn't have signed him outright, but... You know, Miami did a sign-in trade, so maybe Houston could have done one as well. You would have gone there. Chris Paul, James Harden, that's a better chance at winning. Um, and the no-state tax applies there as well. You could have stayed with Philly. Seems like they offered him the five-year deal. I believe some places have said that. There's been, like, conflicting things on that. I don't think we have a clear-cut answer. But, you know, if he chose to leave Philly, if they offered him the five years, and um, that that means he's, that means he's not about the money. If he, if he left Philly and they gave him the five years, that means he's A, not about the money, and B, he's not about winning. It means, I guess, he's about lifestyle and he just wants to live in Miami, which I don't blame him. Who wouldn't want to live in Miami? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's definitely not a move you make if you're about winning. And Pat Riley just, I think, is at the point where he doesn't want to rebuild. You know, he paid, like, all these average players like 12 to 13 million james johnson kelly olenic Deion waiters i think winslow makes around that amount and you're not going anywhere with that i like all the players they have though just like not collectively like i like bam Adebayo, i like tyler hero harrow however you pronounce it um i don't know i think jimmy and the move of getting Jimmy just like, look, we're going to try and go out there and win. Jimmy Butler is an all-star caliber player. He's going to help us do that. And if they get Westbrook, um, that only helps their chances of winning more. Um, unless you factor in the negative effects of a Westbrook-Jimmy Butler locker room. But, you know, just get the stars, Pat Riley. I mean, why not, right? LeBron left. Forget the rebuild. Dwayne Wade's gone. Get these new guys. Jimmy Butler. Russell Westbrook. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. And I think I think it would be good for the league, makes the East a little bit more compelling, get another all-star from West to East. It's funny. So, like, we had Kawhi go from East to West. Durant went from West to East, but Durant's not going to play this upcoming season. So that's not going to make the East better. It's, uh, it's almost like the East just lost Kawhi. And then D'Angelo Russell, who if you even want to call him an all-star or whatever – I mean, he did make it because of an injury replacement, so he's not a true all-star, in my opinion, making the original 12-men roster. Um, he went from east to west. So, yeah, I went through all of that. Those were like the one, two, whatever, Paul, 
like eight biggest players to change teams during this offseason, unless you want to count Anthony Davis going from the Pelicans to Lakers, but I've already covered that on a previous podcast. So I'm going to just do some other uh, teams I liked, good stuff they did, bad stuff they did. Um, going to go through those real quick, and that'll be it. Utah, I talked about how I liked what they did, obviously, and getting Conley and, Bo- Conley and Bogdanovich, just I'm not as crazy about it as some of these other people are. Um, Orlando, I don't like what they've done. Getting Signing Terrence Ross, Alfreka Manu, Nikola Vucevic, all to like big contracts with like multiple years on them. It's like, what are you doing, Orlando? Your only guards are DJ Augustine and Michael Carter-Williams. You're not going anywhere, anywhere, Orlando. Maybe you should trade for Russell Westbrook, but I don't even think he'd want to go there. And if OKC is going to work with him, uh, I'd say there's no way that he would end up in Orlando. It's like, what are you doing, Orlando? You don't have any guards. And that front court's really crowded. Orlando really could have used Trey Young. They really could have, uh, really would have been nice for them if he had felt the six in the 2018 draft. But, you know, that's kind of how this works. Charlotte has all these big contracts like Biombo and Zeller and Batum, Marvin Williams. Um, and now you have the uh, Terry Rozier, three years. 57, 58 million, something like that. That's, that's, that sucks. And it, it, I, I rooted for Terry Rozier. He's great in that playoffs, but I never at any point was like, this is a franchise starting point guard that it could be like, especially if you're going to be like a good team and even worse for a team like Charlotte, when you had Kemba already and you could have paid him, he didn't want the super max, but you could have paid him like a good amount of money and kept him and if you were just not going to keep him the entire time, why would you not have traded him at the deadline and gotten some sort of assets for him? Um, just negligence on Charlotte's part. Sacramento spent a lot of money on Trevor Ariza, Harrison Barnes, Dwayne Dedman, and Corey Joseph. Those are a lot of names I just mentioned, and these guys got some big contracts and a lot of money between them, and none of them are all-stars, especially Harrison Barnes, who's getting paid like he's ever going to make an all-star team. Um, kind of like the Tobias Harris and uh, Chris Middleton signings, and Chris Middleton made a lot of money, uh, got a big contract. Obviously, Harrison Barnes' number isn't as big as theirs, but for those two, I mean, Middleton did make the All-Star team this year, but I wouldn't say he's like a surefire bet to make the All-Star team year in, year out. And for those guys, him and Harris, to get the money they did, it's just like, okay, those teams are really going for it. Those teams are really going for it. They don't even want to take a chance of possibly losing these guys, which is funny because... Philadelphia uh, lost Jimmy Butler, but maybe he just chose to go to Miami because he doesn't care about winning and he doesn't care about the money. He just wants to live in South Beach. So, okay. But yeah, with Middleton and Harris, it's like these teams are just not risking it uh, and want to win the title. Milwaukee also signed Brooke Lopez back. George Hill's coming back. Robin Lopez is back, is here now. Uh, Wesley Matthews is going to be in the starting five, it seems, in Brogdon's old role. And Brogdon's gone to the Pacers. I've seen some people say, oh, Brogdon to the Pacers. Oh, that's a big move. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I like Brogdon. I like him to the Pacers. $20 million a year for Brogdon? Seems like a lot. Is this guy even an all- this guy is not an all-star. He'll never make the all-star team. I don't think so. I shouldn't say never. I mean, I, I like Brogdon. But it was like, this guy was the fifth player on this Bucks team? Granted, I did like him more than Bledsoe. But it's just like, ah, do we really think Brogdon's worth that much? Are we really? And then... Of course, everyone has to go, like, you know who's good? The Pacers, Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, 
TJ Warren. It's like, yeah, those guys are all nice and all, but number one, Oladipo's got the whole injury thing. We don't know if he's going to be the same. And number two, those guys aren't going to, like, be the make-or-break difference. Come on. It's guys like Kawhi, LeBron, Davis that shape the league, not Malcolm Brogdon. Let's be real. That's why I never got the Conley thing either with Utah. It's like, that team's going to go as far as Donovan Mitchell takes them. Let's stop acting like Mike Conley is going to be the reason this team is in the NBA Finals. Um, okay, I'm going to keep going. Dallas, once again, nobody of note in uh, free agency. I guess they get Seth Curry. Great. Dallas. Just, they need to hire, like, a recruiter or somebody, somebody who can, like, just pitch and make a case for free agents to come there because it's obvious whatever they're doing isn't working. Um, I love Minnesota not being able to make any moves, really, because of how much they screwed themselves with their cap space. They got that Jeff Teague expiring and... Nobody wants to take Andrew Wiggins' contract. Um, yeah, Denver. I like how they got Jeremy Grant. You know, Denver never really had, like, a three guy. It was always like they were kind of playing a three-guard lineup with Barton, Harris, Murray. Then other guys would come in, like uh, Monte Morris, Torrey Craig. Well, I guess Torrey Craig's kind of a two, three. Or, ah, who knows? Um, yeah. So it seemed like uh, Denver made a good move in getting Jeremy Grant, giving them a three-man. And, you know, I think Denver is actually going to get the one seed next year because I think they're better than Utah. I think they're better than Portland. Portland, I don't like the moves they did. They lost their two wings, Aminu, Aminu and Harkless. Um, they did get Kent Bazemore. And they lost Evan Turner, too, who, eh. I mean, they got Kent Bazemore back. They got Kent Bazemore. They got, um, what's his name? Ronnie Hood back. Not crazy about those guys. I mean, it's okay. And now you don't have Cantor and you placed him with Whiteside, who I don't like Whiteside at all. I think he's done. He's, he's, I mean, Miami couldn't have gotten off that contract quick enough. Like, I think Pat Riley threw a party the day that he got rid of that Hassan Whiteside contract. He must have had thrown a party. There's no other, I, I don't know why he wouldn't have. I mean, that contract was horrible and, he didn't even want him for that one final year. I guess he had to move it because of the whole Jimmy Butler thing. But good for him for being able to move it. He makes a lot of money and he's really just been on the downcline, it's felt like. And who knows when Nurkic comes back for Portland. So I like Denver as that one seed because I'm not high in Portland. like Utah, but not that much. Because remember how I said Donovan Mitchell has to be one of those like top seven or eight guys? Jokic already is that. Okay, so that's why I like Denver. Clippers and Lakers, I think they're going to be careful with their stars. Load management, we already know about all of that. The Warriors, they're not going to be contending for one of those top spots, um, especially with the Clay thing, how he's going to be gone for most of this season. And then Houston, I don't think that, that team has lost. Jeff Bezelik, uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name, and that really hurt them at the start of last season. There's front office inner turmoil or whatever it seems from all these stories you've been hearing or reading um so they're not in the best shape and chris paul is just not going to be the type of player that ages well um so you have all of that going on i think denver is kind of the logical pick to be the one seed in the west if i had to make my picks for mvp right now and it's july and the season doesn't start till October, but I like um, 
Jokic and Giannis as the two leading contenders for MVP. Embiid would be up there for me, but I just can't trust him to stay healthy. So I would go with those two. Giannis for a repeat, Jokic for uh, MVP um, as a leader for the award. And then I like what Memphis did. I really like their draft of getting John Morant, obviously, and pairing him with Jaron Jackson Jr. And they've done some other moves I've liked. I mean, they moved on from Conley, and I didn't actually like the Conley trade that much, but I like the other moves they made, like getting an asset to take Iguodala, and maybe they'll flip Iguodala for another asset, because teams still want Andre Iguodala. Um, taking Josh Jackson and getting assets for him, I think they got second rounders too. Um, taking, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Um, no, I said Josh Jackson, because they, oh, Tyus Jones. Uh, did I mention him? If I did, I'll just say it again. Um, getting Tyus Jones, they signed him, uh, you know, I like him, he's a good backup for John Morant, whatever, um, so Memphis is in good shape, I mean, it, I've been hammering this point home, like, the entire podcast, but it's kind of just, you go as far as, like, that core takes you, and how good they become, and for Memphis, what matters for them is John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., those are the two most important pieces, those two, if they become really good, then guess what? Memphis is going to be really good. And I think those two are going to be really good. However, not going to be really good this season because they're still young and there's still going to be a curve and Memphis won't make the playoffs this year. Um, but that's okay. And then, oh, I guess one more thing. The Suns, uh, we could go on and on about the Suns. They gave up TJ Warren for nothing. That move they made at the draft to get Cam Johnson or... Is that his name? I mean, who knows? The guy who nobody thought was going to go in the lottery. Um, then they sign Rubio, and then they trade Josh Jackson and give up picks to get rid of him, and they take Corver. Maybe they should flip Corver. Who knows? The Suns, it's just like, you should be... Same thing how I just said with Memphis, how everything around Memphis revolves around Jaron Jackson and uh, Morant going forward for... Phoenix, it should all be about Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And whether or not Ayton was the right pick, you use the number one overall pick on him. Maybe he doesn't fit well with Booker, but you use that pick, and, you know, it's not like he's bad. And that's the, the core you have. So Phoenix's moves, I mean, I don't like Rubio on that team because I'm just like, why do you have to, like, have this mindset of what a point guard is or what's not? Just give the ball to Devin Booker, okay? He's your best player. Um, Yeah. All right, so that's kind of all I had for the podcast. I'm pretty impressed with myself. I'm not going to lie for getting through all of that. That's a lot. And I'm sure when I'm done recording this, I'm going to think, oh, damn it. I should have said this. I forgot to, I forgot this point. I left this out. Um, but I do think I got a lot of what I wanted to across. So, yeah, I think that's it for my free agency podcast. So when am I going to be back? Um... The plan is, kind of, because there's not going to be really any big sports going on, NBA or NFL, for the next couple of weeks, really. Uh, if Westbrook gets traded, I'll do another podcast and talk about that. And it'd be funny, because I kind of jammed all of this stuff into one. And, you know, I was just talking high level and giving thoughts and just going quick, rapidly. And, I don't know, this was fun. But, like, I'll do a podcast if Westbrook gets um, traded, probably. 
won't be as long as this one. Um, and just give some thoughts there. But other than that, I don't really plan on doing any more podcasts until football season starts. And, you know, if you're one of these people who listen to the podcast and one of my fans or supporters or, you know, it's not like I'm some big star. I'm not even trying to act like it or a star or anything. Um, but if you do listen to my podcast, you're a friend of mine who does, um, you're somebody who just found it. Uh, I really appreciate that you listened. Um, but I won't be doing any until probably September when football starts up or late August because number one, no sports to really watch. Number two, I want to put some time in, um, and just improve the podcast and think of ways I can make this better from a content standpoint, guests, everything. And I think having those couple weeks to kind of take off and focus on this will really help improve it, um, long term. And it makes sense to do it right now with no real sports on. So unless you want to hear my, uh, July thoughts on the Red Sox, and I don't think anybody does. Um, baseball, you know, you watch your own team, and yeah, that's kind of it. You don't watch other teams and from a national perspective until the playoffs roll around, really. Um, okay, I expect the podcast to end there, but yeah, I think that's it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening since I started this in end of September, early October. can't even remember exactly when I started it, but thank you for listening if you've been listening since then. Thank you for listening if you've just been listening since this podcast. Uh, it really means a lot to me as I'm going down this path and trying to, you know, do this podcast and give my opinions on sports and talk about sports. Uh, it means a lot if you listened. And I hope you listen uh, once the podcast comes back and we start doing it again right around football starts or if some breaking news happens like a Westbrook trade. But until then, I think I've said it like a thousand times, but seriously, thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon.